0: You are listening to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders, for coders, about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach the advancing journeyman
1: developer. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast
0: happy second anniversary we've got something really exciting to announce this week we've brought back a few of our friends that are starting something really new and exciting Aaron, dave and jason have some really exciting stuff going on that they're going to tell us about and we're going to spend the episode talking about it but before we get started will what have you been fighting this week
1: I am in SQL Trace Purgatory right now. We have an app that's about to come out, and I thought, you know, maybe I ought to look at, you know, what it's actually doing under the hood, you know what kind of sequel calls it's doing, make sure it'll stand up under load. And uh, you know how sometimes you turn over rocks and you find a snake? Yeah, I found like a whole nest of problems. Nothing's, you know, real bad like actually killing performance, but just stuff that's um happening on every like every single web request multiple times and their are database calls that are complex. So I'm going through and fixing those things. And I don't know if you've ever done this with Entity Framework, you know, like you, like we have a Selenium test script that runs all this stuff and tries to smoke test the app. And so I, I start a SQL trace I let it do its thing. And then I stop the SQL trace and then I dump that to a table and I query it and try to find the worst offenders and then try to find the link code that caused that. Yeah. And that's what I've been doing for a week.
0: Oh man, I mean, yeah. We, we've got we've got an app that was supposed to have gone into production a couple of weeks ago, but we were doing a bunch of new services and having to do all that sort of stuff too. It's painful.
1: Yeah, but yeah, that's
0: that's basically it. That having been sick a lot. Oh yeah, uh, We we didn't record on Monday because you were sick. So so, Aaron, how about you?
2: Yeah, I've actually been fighting quite a bit the last week. Uh, one is traffic to mm-hmm. today specifically I was fighting my computer because um, I was actually like working from home which usually isn't a problem but today like I was just having all kinds of connection issues and like I would like I went to to join the WebEx for our, our scrum call this morning and as soon as I went to my the, like the calendar to open up, um, the link to get to it, everything just froze. And then I just spent 15 minutes like force restarting my computer. So I was like late to the scrum call, but apparently nobody noticed. Um, and I was like right on time for my updates. So that was funny. But this last week, I've been working on the same PBI for our app that um, is dealing with uh, like Dev Express, which I, I don't know if it's necessarily a framework, but it's not easy to do anything with it. Like literally just... I've used it. <laughs> Do do you agree? It's not it's not easy to do anything with it. Some of my favorite
0: shows give it away for free. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Oh man, yeah. So it's just you know it was it started out as simple UI quote unquote simple UI changes, and Mm -hmm. it it has I've literally been working on the same PBI for a week, which is okay because this today or um, sorry Monday was actually the start of our sprint, so we were kind of getting a head start anyway. But it's just been super frustrating because it's like I just want to do this one thing. Like, like today I'm trying to, um, like we have a grid and when the page loads, it, it loads the results in the grid. And by default, the first row is selected. So it's like highlighted, but it's not actually selected. The user has to actually click on a row to be able to, you know, do whatever they, you know, whatever they need to do with it. And I, you would think they would have a property that you could just set to be disabled on page load. But no, people have been complaining about the same thing for like ten years f- through my Google search. From what I yep. found, and they s- still they they've implemented for implemented it for like WPF forms or something, but not for like MVC. Why?
0: <laughs>
2: so that's yeah, that's what I've been fighting.
3: Oof, that sounds rough, Dave. How about you? I have been fighting Expression Engine template hell for the past couple of days. <laughs> oh, Lord. I've heard of that. <laughs> well, I, I got a ticket, and one of our marketing guys was not seeing the right information in the meta tags when he posts a link to Facebook, and Facebook scans the page and feeds certain information, like a preview to their users of what the post that they're linking to, and they've been kind of becoming more strict and fighting, I guess, uh, fake news or whatever on Posts so that it, it needs to follow certain guidelines to definitely be what you're linking to and not be misleading. So that was straightforward enough, but with Expression Engine, we've got variables from each template that are getting pre parsed to a global variable which is constructing the head of the document. And that's, I figured that out and I got it all working, but then we have some pages that are actually calling a third party API and that's breaking everything. So I've been banging my head against the wall about that oh, wow. in the past couple of days.
4: Jason, how about you? Well, nothing really tech-related, mostly just fighting the sun at this point. I'm uh, working out my final notice, cleaning and repairing pool equipment. So I'm just uh, struggling to work out my notice without incident and work it. I'm I'm tempted to just say, screw it and and, uh, quit early, but uh, can't do that. I got two more days left, and I'm home free, and I've got two weeks of vacation after that. And then I start my new job. So uh, the only real thing I'm struggling with tech-wise is is, um, I'm going to have to be using uh,
0: Docker, which I know nothing about for all the projects that I'll be um, uh, doing there. That's interesting. I've never actually used Docker. That's really cool. You'll have to tell (laughs) us more about it later uh, once you get in there and get to using it. So it's been kind of an eventful week for me. It started out with me thinking that I'd found a new truck, like, Everyone on here heard about that. Uh, unfortunately, the deal fell through and the guy wanted me to uh, give him an extra $100 to take it through emissions, which only cost $9. And I offered to do it myself, but I wasn't going to buy the truck until it had passed. And so he, he just refused to, to budge on that. So I just said, no, thank you. Then uh, a little bit later, I noticed that he'd reposted it on Craigslist with the emissions report. I'm like, really dude.
3: <laughs> yeah. Rude, indeed. So,
0: and then uh Monday afternoon, my uncle was rushed to the hospital for emergency surgery. I won't go into the gory details, but uh, he's still at the hospital recovering. I got to visit with him after the surgery, and I'm going to be going back tomorrow. Uh, My mom told me that he was sitting up talking and uh, asking how long he has to stay in bed today. So that's pretty good. Um, On a happier note, though, I may have found my next phone. And no, it's not another iPhone. I'll tell you guys more about it in IOTs. This week for IOTs, I have an interesting product, the Asus Zenfone AR. That's right, the company that made my new laptop, which we still need to name it, have produced an Android phone. It is Tango-enabled and ready to use Daydream. Tango is Google's augmented reality platform that allows the phone to track motion and understand space like humans do. Daydream is their immersive virtual reality platform. The phone has three rear cameras, one for motion tracking, one for depth sensing with an infrared projector, and one that is a 23 megapixel camera. It's not exactly Internet of Things, but can be used as a tool for working with them. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what they come out for on this new phone. There'll be a link to it in the show notes. Hey, Will, who's talking to us this week? Uh, well, before we get to the comment, we have
1: a shout-out and congratulations to Michael, whose comment we read on the Getting a Job episode several weeks back. Uh, he wrote to us and said, I had a job interview for junior developer in C Sharp. The technical part of the interview from 20 questions, about three of them, I was able to answer thanks to information provided in your podcast. Thanks, CDP, because starting today, I'm a junior C Sharp developer, and it is partly to your merit. Hey,
0: Michael. We are, yeah, we're we're so happy to hear about your success. Um It's your merit that got you there. We just sort of supplied some of the tools. Guys, if you've got a success story, we'd love to hear about it and mention you on the show. Send us an email or join our new Slack channel, Complete Dev Network, and tell us about it in the hashtag win section. Uh, We also got an email from Jennifer. It says, hey, guys, I've been listening to your
1: podcast for a month or so now and have listened to a number of old pods, too, and wanted to say thank you for doing this just a little bit of background about me i graduated college with a bachelor's degree in mathematics may 2016. while i was in college i spent two years working in an i.t department as an intern working mostly with SQL and a little bit with c sharp and senior year i applied to a handful of jobs got one interview and got the job and was so excited i didn't shop around very much after that the job is with a boutique consulting company that primarily uses Pega Systems in their consulting business It started with six months of training, so within seven months of being at the company, I had four certifications, which I thought was very cool. Lots of preparation before going into the field as a developer. However, since finishing training, I spent three months on the bench, and then for the last several months, I have been doing documentation, basically acting as a secretary-slash-BA, not my ideal situation. My bosses are great, and I've been able to talk to them about the fact that this is not what I want to be doing. However, whenever I do, they explain it's just where the company is right now because we don't have any developer positions in need of being filled. So I've been at this company for a year now and have not really gained a lot of experience, which I'm finding to be frustrating. So I'm looking to move on. And I also have not enjoyed the limited experiences I've had with Pega versus my experiences writing code. So I think I want to move outside of the Pega space and move into the .NET arena. As I'm currently looking for a job, the last few pods have been great and relevant. So getting to my question, my sister works at a company that has .NET developers. However, I'm not qualified enough at this point. She told her boss about me and my situation, and her boss now wants to interview me for a project management position. After listening to your podcast about building a resume, you mentioned getting your foot in the door at a company and then moving around from there. I'm concerned about the prospect of this pigeonholing me, and I was wondering if you guys think, if I want to be a developer, if it would be a bad way to get my foot in the door to take a position as a project manager. I also know you mentioned in another podcast, Technology that is similar to the Pega technology and that Pega is a software aimed more towards business users and they market themselves as the way to get around your IT department. If I remember correctly, you mentioned you think that is the way programming is heading. So I was wondering if you think it is bad to get out of this technology given that it seems to be the way technology is going. I'm not sure if this is going to be worth mentioning on the show, but if you did read this, I want to thank you for giving me
0: some of your time. Uh, Does anybody want to answer that one? (laughs) So Jennifer... It's definitely worth mentioning on the show. We actually received this email a few weeks ago, but I saved it for this specific episode so that we could get more than just our own perspectives. Because I know that Erin has been in somewhat of a similar situation with her first job.
2: Oh, um, yeah, I guess that's my cue. I guess there are some similarities. Um, I thought, I mean, I'd never heard of Pegas Systems before this, and so I actually took a moment to Google it, and it, it says it's the Salesforce Alternative, and they, they have a thing on their website where it says customer retention. Personalized, not creepy, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to figure out what it was. Um, but, yeah, I'd never heard of it before. So... I think it's a good idea because she seems to be very passionate about... uh, Are we talking directly to her or are we...
1: Let's just talk about it. Yeah, let's... Let's, 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 This is a project management Uh, position, kind of a PMP
4: kind of thing. Um, Sure. And, like, my wife is is not in tech, but she's going through project management training. And um, I told her that um, if she could easily... If she knows, like, the terminology and she can learn it from me she knows the terminology, she can, you know, project manage, you know, a group of developers. You don't need to know how to program. Is that, is that true in all honesty?
2: Yeah. I mean, that doesn't seem like it, like what she wants to do though. She sounds like she wants to actually be in the programming and, and and build things. She sounds like she wants to
1: be at the thick of it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and so, and I mean, I think you have to have like a a specific kind of skills and specific kind of personality. And I mean, in order to manage, People manage projects essentially. Well, especially
1: developers.
2: So right. If you exactly. scope
4: back so, on a project, and what I mean by that is you got a bird's eye view of something, you're not concerned with the details. So she may be very, very frustrated in the, the fact that she'll never get to code.
0: Yeah. So right. I, yeah. I do want to make a clarification. A project manager does not manage the developers, they, they manage the project. Um, I'm actually taking training sure. right now that I thought was about software configuration and change and it is actually about scm and like the ba and qa processes and how like that stuff it, it was a bit frustrating well if it's a larger company that's that's true if it's a smaller company your
1: oftentimes your project manager is your direct because um, that's kind of what I've been dealing with uh, where I work for the last five or six jobs it's not you know not a big enough company where those roles are separated I mean I know uh, technically from the p p perspective it's supposed to be separated but yeah. um, so it's it's kind of hard to to be sure on that but I think the big thing here is that she really sounds like she wants to get into development
2: right I,
1: I don't think it would be a good idea to push her towards a role that seems to get people further away from development if that's not the direction she wants to go.
2: Right. I I would agree with that. Um, I think it, it's important for her. Um, you know, if that's really what she wants to do to, to stay, to stick with that and to voice that, um, in, in interviews and, and to people, because like nobody is going to take, you know, nobody should take control of your career, but you like, and, and the companies you interview with, the people you talk to, like, they're not going to know what your interests, what your goals are. And you know, that type of thing. Um, so like one interesting thing that happened with, um, one of my most recent round of interviews with, with InfoWorks was, um, the first interview I was in, um, I, I told my interviewer that, um, I didn't want to be pigeonholed. I didn't want to be siloed. Um, I thought maybe, you know, I had, I would have more of an interest in, in, I, I don't know, like data science or, um, business analytics or, or project management, you know, in, in a couple years or so. Um, but wanted to get a firm. Uh, grasp and and foundation in in the development first, and so the project they were originally going to put me on, um, they ended up shifting that based in, based on what I said, you know th- those things that I said in my interview, and so I ended up coming back you know, I guess it was technically my fourth interview, um, because they, they actually took into account my interests and my, and my career goals. And, you know, but if you just, and I know starting out to like, especially in your first job or two, voicing that and having the confidence to say that kind of thing, it's hard because, um, you know, you you just want to say the right thing so that you'll be able to get the job. But, um, I, I think it's really important to stick to what you're interested in and, and make and sure someone that
4: wants, you know, uh, people know. It was actually recently someone told me that, you know, if you're going to get into web development, know exactly what your interests are because if you go in as like a, a front-end person, you're probably not going to go from front to back, meaning, you know, you're not going to be a back-end developer eventually. You're They're going to pigeonhole you into a front-end developer role so if you want to be a back-end developer you need to you know focus yourself there or, or if you want to be DevOps focus yourself there but there's not as much crossover as you might think this is this is was told to me by um, a friend of mine a Georgia Tech graduate um, he's now an entrepreneur running his own business but he worked for Microsoft and he, he just told me flat out like if you think you're you, you know you need to, you need to find out what you're interested in and you, you need to pursue that because they're not gonna they're gonna they're gonna put you in a in, in a, like I said, in a, in a pigeonhole, and they're going to keep you there. And I think he's coming from a, a larger organization kind of um, perspective.
0: Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I think that's more of a, a larger organization thing. I mean, even though Dave and I both work for the state, we, uh, like our dev shop in our department is not that large. We have about six or seven developers, and they're wanting us to cross-train. So that we can all be full stack developers. And I think in a smaller shop or in, you know, even a mid sized shop, you're going to get more of that. Hey, we want you to be able to do everything so that, you know, if the back end developer you're working with is out sick and we've got something that needs to be fixed, you know the code well enough to yeah, jump in there and there's... work on it. Okay. I'm sorry. I agree.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I... I I would agree with that as well but you know of course getting that first job like you've got to show that you can quickly get to a level of value and then you can Kind of broaden out, so yeah. I, I think that's kind of what the problem is there. And
2: it's and it's so hard to know when you're first starting out because you yeah. want to learn about everything. Like, you, yep. I want to learn front end, I want to learn back end, I want to learn DevOps. Like, I want to learn all the things, and it's hard to know, like, you know, right off what what you're going to be interested in and, and what you won't be.
3: And that's oh yeah, that I was going to say as well, be because it sounded like the our caller was kind of writing herself out that she said I'm not really qualified to do this yet. But she does have some background, and so I would say that you know she's going to be the best judge of her abilities. But from my experience coming you know transitioning into software development as a self-taught guy, I didn't really know where the bar was set. And it's going to be different everywhere you go. And if they're willing to sit down and talk to you about it, don't listen to that imposter syndrome voice in your yeah, ear. Give a it a shot. Absolutely, give it a shot. Maybe your skills will translate has a, better than she, you think.
4: Am I correct in, in uh – remembering that she had a mathematics degree. Okay. So if she has a mathematics degree yeah. right off the bat ahead of me and a lot of other d- developers, I mean, if, if you can get, if you're capable of getting that mathematics degree, then you're capable of learning pretty quickly anything that they throw at you. So I, I think that she needs to have more confidence in her abilities. Just, just
1: from that. I would agree.
0: Yeah. Now I will say this, uh, where Dave and I work, we've had a couple of people that started out as web admins. Uh, that's actually what Dave does, if he doesn't mind me mentioning it. Nope. Um, well, they started off as web admins to get their foot in the door and have moved on to other positions. One of them is a junior developer. One of them wanted to go into QA, and now she's a QA. That's actually the person that Dave replaced her. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that said... A web admin, it is an entry-level position. It It is a position designed for you to get your foot in the door, show your worth, and then the company goes, oh, hey, we have an opening over here for this position that is closer to what you want to do, or that is exactly what you want to do. I know that's what happened with one of our junior developers. She started as a web admin, and they're like, oh, you have a degree in computer science, you've got all this. We're just going to have you doing this junior dev job until a position opens up. And when one did, she applied and got it. That said, I I also understand what you guys are saying about not wanting to get pigeonholed into something. I'm not sure how well Project Manager will translate into a developer position. Because web admin, you're still going in there, and you're, you're working with the HTML and CSS. And Dave, you can you can correct me if I'm, like, way off on this stuff, but uh, you're still doing a little bit of coding. Um, whereas a project manager, you're not touching the code at all. You're not seeing the code at all. To get any experience developing, you're going to have gonna to do that on the side.
3: I think it's going to be right. frustrating for her. I will be the devil's advocate, I will say that if you have a coding background or a little bit of a, a appreciation for what's going on, you will be the best friend of the developers on your team. I hear the complaint all the time that, my, my project manager doesn't or my BA doesn't really get what I do. Mm-hmm. And so if you are able to speak to that and, and integrate that into what you're doing, I think you will develop a great relationship with those developers. But right,
2: but it sounds like it goes the other way. And so, so be, having the development experience first and then getting into more of a you know, project manager position rather than the other way around. Well, and I'm yeah.
3: sorry, I thought, I thought she was doing some development in, and I'm not familiar with Pega, Pega systems. systems. I'm not. Sure. I'm not familiar <laughs> with that at all. What that? It's apparently he'll, he'll like, uh, from, it's from like from. From what Salesforce Aaron
0: said, it's like Salesforce. Um, I, I would relate it to, um, maybe like using WordPress, but not being a PHP developer. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, to put it in web terms. <laughs> I don't know. To make it webish. Make webish. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll make it webish. Um. But uh, this is, this is an interesting discussion on this one comment. Jennifer, I just want to say thanks so much for, for the comment. Uh, send us an email to neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com with your contact information, because we've got a Complete Developer water bottle just for you. And before we stop talking about this and, and move on, guys, can we come to the consensus? It seems like everybody's on this page, too, that it really matters... What you want to do, if you want to be a developer, if that is like your blinders down goal is I want to be a developer, then I would hold out for the developer position.
1: Yeah, I would too. But the other thing I would do is try to see what kind of integration points you can get with Pega Mm -hmm. and actually write code to work against that system based on the knowledge you already have, but programmatically accessing it. Uh, because that will make you part of a small niche of developers That's true. You know, coming out the gate. And that might give you some leverage, either integrating with that or integrating with other CRM systems, and everybody, their mothers having to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. The the other thing I would say is uh, if you're interested in .NET, uh, pretty much all of us here um, are .NET developers. <laughs> so i, I got to say, I really like working in .NET. There's other things out there that I think would be interesting to try. Right now, I'm focused on learning the system I'm in uh, as a junior developer. I know Will's tried a bunch of other things, too. But what I'm getting at, I guess, is also... It's not a bad space to get into. Yeah, it's not a bad space yeah. to get into. And um, there's a lot of jobs in .NET. And you can go out and build stuff that isn't for a job or isn't for anything else. Just learn... Like, what I did, I built a calculator... Oh, Lord, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Will will go on and on about how much he hated that calculator. But then I decided I wanted to get into web, and so I built a blog, like a blogging engine with MVC. Not because the world needed another blogging engine, but because I needed to learn MVC, and it was something I wanted to do, and it uh, was a tutorial I found that was really helpful. So look into that. If you feel confident enough in your abilities, you can even start going to places like Upwork and I think LinkedIn has some things where they will hire you to build small things for them and pay you for it. So look into that too. Now guys, if y'all would like a water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google+. We're also on Path and Tumblr. And as I mentioned earlier in the episode, we now have a Slack channel, Complete Dev Network, that you can join and chat directly with us. We'll have a link on our main page with how you can sign up for that Slack channel. Do you want to come out and meet us and possibly hear Will talk about why your DBA hates your ORM? Come down to Huntsville, Alabama for DevSpace Conference. It's North Alabama's premier polyglot technology conference. And in addition to Will, you'll be able to hear talks on .NET, JavaScript, C++, and a lot more. DevSpace is October 13th and 14th this year. Tickets are on sale now, and to get a 10% discount, use the code COMPLETEDEV. Or follow the link in the show notes. Again, that's Dev Space in Huntsville, Alabama, on October 13th and 14th, and you can come down, meet me and Will, and possibly uh, Aaron, Dave, or Jason.
3: And I can't say enough about conferences. I have been volunteering at local conferences for two years, and really just have made some incredible connections through doing that. And and um, if you're trying to get get into a career, this is a career. I think this is a great way to go. Totally agree.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. So, getting into the meat of the episode. <laughs> you mean the fun stuff? Yeah, the fun stuff. <laughs> uh, this episode marks two years of podcasting for Will and myself. Ooh. To celebrate, thank you. Uh, to celebrate, we've brought some of our friends on the show to discuss something interesting and exciting that they're starting.
1: Yeah, I think we've kind of waited long enough. Let's uh, let's make the big announcement now. Who wants to do it? I'll do it.
0: Of course, you would. <laughs> well, everyone's thinking, but you know, yeah, <laughs> we know you. <ya.
2: laughs> um. So yeah, me, Dave, and Jason are starting up a, a, a new podcast. That's kind of a, I guess, a child podcast of uh, Complete Developer, um, and it's called Junior Developer Toolbox. Um, it's essentially try- to try and help uh, junior developers kind of find their way in this you know, kind of kind of new, or not new, but emerging market, because it's, I mean, it's. it can be hard to break into. I mean, there's several different ways you can go about it. Um, and so we're just here to kind of share our insight as, you know, new junior developers. We all three uh, discussed this, that we want to reveal the good and the bad and the ugly
4: about the whole process, um, because there's a whole lot of hype around getting these jobs. But what they don't tell you is how incredibly hard it is in the beginning. And people give up because they don't know what they're expecting, uh, what they're supposed to expect. And uh, I I faced this and I faced a lot of, um, I'll just say it straight up. You know, I got depressed for a long time and I almost gave up several times um, because coming from a background that I come from with construction and whatnot, People look at you with, like, this, like, what are we supposed to do with you kind of look, you know? Um, they don't take you seriously at all, especially if you don't have an, a, a degree of any kind, which I don't. Um, so I have no, no uh, bachelor's degree to, t- to fall back on. And there's going to be plenty of people out there that are just like that, just working class people that have, you know, either gotten tired, burned out of their jobs, or just want something better for their family um, they're going to face some real challenges, you know, getting that first job, especially. And I think most of the most of of the examples that we are given um, in podcasts, the internet, and whatnot, come from people of other disciplines that are professional. Right? They go from one like. There's there's examples of lawyers turning into developers or just whatever professional turning into another type of professional. But what doesn't get talked about a whole lot is going from blue collar to white collar specifically. And I feel like we should focus a lot on the underdogs.
3: Yeah, and I think we have we each kind of bring a unique kind of entrance into this industry and a kind of story to tell that's not the conventional, you know, went to school, got a job. And there is, um, although there are, it's becoming more common to make that transition with things like boot camps that are becoming popular. Um, also, you know, adding to the painting, the rosy picture, of course, they want you to think, yeah, you're going to get a great job right out right out of the box. But uh, we can tell you it's, it's definitely a different story. Uh, applying for these jobs without a lot of professional experience to show. So if you're self taught or went to a a boot camp or some kind of unconventional education, heck, even with even with a, a degree in computer science, without that, there's that hurdle of you know, you've got no experience landing that first job that presents some unique challenges, and how do you how do you convince people that you know what you're talking about and you can build things that, that are useful? So I think Definitely. we each kind of Will, have a different perspective aren't on that. Are you
4: always that saying that computer table. science degree ain't all that? You know, can you speak to that? Like, um, coming out of science, you know. Uh,
1: for one thing, a lot of the people that come out of a computer science degree, um, and to a lesser extent some people that come out of code camps too and Beach and I had this discussion all that long ago um, they once they get their first job sure. they feel like they made it and they stop mm-hmm. and and that you know that's that's not a good place to be. The other thing is a computer science degree computer science is not programming and a lot of computer scientists don't understand that either.
0: I would agree to that, and I can speak to it because we have one developer where I work, or where Dave works too, that when she started out, it was her very first job out of school with a degree in computer science. And she was green. She didn't know a lot of the coding, but she knew the computer science and knew how to learn it. And she's really good. She does a great job. But at, at first... Nobody could tell if she was going to be a great developer or a terrible one. And I think that's the case for a lot of people coming out of school is because they come out with the the knowledge to be able to as the knowledge and the setup to learn to code. But not the coding experience. I've heard of several people that get a computer science degree and then go to a boot camp to learn the actual specifics of coding.
2: Yeah, I was about to say that's kind of where one of the divisions is, is that um, I've, one of the things that I've heard is that computer science degree, uh, people who go through that learn more of, I guess, the, the theory theory. And then going through a, a boot camp actually gives you more practical application in building web apps or, or applications or websites. Um and, and so that's that that's a division.
1: Yeah, the way I the way I try to explain it to people is that if you come out with a computer science degree, it's I guess the best way to put it would be that you think of a of writing a program as being a more a movie choreographed <laughs> sword fight whereas in reality it's a drunken knife fight on ice. <laughs> <laughs> And like they like they come out and they go okay you know everything's going to be laid out every problem's going to be solvable there's not going to be interruptions there's not going to be other people interacting with my code there's not going to be technical debt there's not going to be funky database stuff there's not going to be uh, flaky networks there's not going to be stupid users and you got to think about it, like in a movie choreographed sword fight it's like oh everything's perfect this other guy's not going to you know do something unexpected I'm not going to trip you know it's not going to be dark I'm you know not going to be in the mud or whatever and. What it really is is no, it's it's a dirty, drunken knife fight on the ice behind a bar. It's just all the things that can go wrong you're usually not prepared for by a computer science degree. So, you know, flaky network connections, um, other people, uh, unrealistic deadlines, you know, sales selling things that can't be done. You know, none of that stuff happens in a computer science degree program. Whereas somebody coming in from the outside, they don't have that filter on that those things don't happen, and so they're more able to adjust.
0: Yeah, that that really does sort of get a good explanation going there. So, kind of moving along, we want you to tell us a little bit about the show, and we've been talking about some of the things that you're going to focus on with the show. Will you guys have guests every
3: episode? We definitely want to feature some guests um, that you know, to, keep things fresh and not just be listening to the same voices every week. We have, uh, I, I think it's fair to say, I, we've recently done a live recording uh, with a panel that's going to substantiate most of the first episode, where we are going into the community and meeting people and bringing in some voices to talk about junior developers and this role and how to get into the job. But we want to kind of vary it up a little bit and touch on some different topics. We've discussed interviewing recruiters and talking about... About different issues that affect uh, the workplace and different companies that um, that may be involved. So I'm hoping to really have some some interesting different topics and guests to keep things interesting.
2: Right, but not not every episode. Maybe there are every episode enough,
3: Might be pretty tricky.
4: There
2: there are enough interview podcasts out there. You know,
4: we could probably do it once or twice a month.
2: Well, yeah, depending on what the recording schedule or the release schedule is going to end up being.
3: There's a lot of things still being finalized. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: Um, we, we hit on it a little bit. What's the format going to be like?
2: Um, well, I mean, a lot of podcasts follow kind of a, a very similar format. Um, I think um, we, we, we were probably going to kind of use um, Y'all's, the, the Complete Developer podcast, as kind of a, a, a template of sorts. Um, but we did kind of want to put our own flair on it in a sense so like uh you know we'll obviously have like an intro introducing the podcast and the hosts, and then you know if we have a guest introduce them as well and a little bit of background and then we also have we'll probably have a section having to do with what we're trying to learn for each each week or e- each couple of weeks because um, you know being a junior developer is is all about learning and learning how to learn and so we'll probably be introducing um or will likely be introducing tools and resources and you know, just, just kinda of talk about the different things that we're we're trying to figure out how to learn or just how to figure out for each episode.
4: Yes, and, and to kind of piggyback on what Aaron said more broadly, talk discuss strategies of learning itself, just 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 the process of learning something new and becoming more um efficient at learning things talk about more of the the neuroscience of how things how we actually learn as human beings um i think that's very important as as any i mean every developer from from junior to, to senior you know our main job especially with technology being what it is and how uh, Fast-paced; that everything is changing. We ne- we don't need to memorize anything. We just need to um, be able to understand how to learn and learn it quickly. Understand um, how to recognize patterns, and um, yeah, just uh, to be able to um, be flexible as technology moves at the rate that it's moving. Because right now, you know, you're not going to be doing the same thing very long, as we all know.
2: And and still have a job. Right.
0: (laughs) You guys kind of hinted at the next question, which is what you're... Well, how often you're going to be publishing your episodes. And when I say hinted at, you seem to indicate y'all haven't decided that yet.
3: No, I think that's definitely a question that we're still hammering out because there's been some concern about... Well, um, Beej and Will are encouraging us to do weekly, but looking at our our schedules, that seems daunting. I think that may um, become something that as we get more familiar with the process of recording these episodes and get a few under our belt, that that's definitely a goal we want to shoot for. But at, at the um, outset, you know, it may be difficult for us to produce that fast. But we're still discussing a lot of those issues. I think,
2: I think initially we're, we're going to be aiming for bi-weekly. Yeah, I'll say
0: when we started, Will correct me if I'm wrong, but we – We started recording in August and published our first episode in September.
1: I believe that's correct. It was August or maybe even the tail end of July.
0: Yeah, because we, we wanted to have about four episodes recorded and have our process down before we ever published our first one. And I think we had like three already edited and gone through the process, which was very, very different back then. It took me like 13 hours to edit one episode. Yeah, I helped you out. Oh, wow. I didn't know what I was doing.
4: <laughs> helped you out with that little process, didn't it?
0: Oh, yeah. Jason, He he got me some... Well, he pointed me to some better software, which, oh, by the way, I actually bought the license to a while back, so we we actually have a small business license for it, but uh, he also kind of guided me along. You guys can probably go back and listen to our old episodes and hear the difference between before Jason and then the episode that he helped me out the first time on onwards sounds like a hundred times better, like night and day. Yes, exactly. Well, we could
4: hear the server, the the server room fans before, and you could barely hear your voices over top of that. There's a thing called signal to noise ratio, and the noise ratio it was just horrendous because the noise was almost as loud as your voices, and you were using Yeah, that was
1: actually my desktop computer. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> whatever, whatever it was, it yeah. was very loud. And um, what really made me notice it is um, in my current job that I'm about to quit, I use a lot of you know loud equipment and stuff. And there's always landscapers around me and stuff. And I'm always struggling to hear the podcasts I'm listening to on the loudest setting. And so I was like, I'm going to fix this for these guys because I really think that their content is top notch. And I wanted to hear every single word. And I was missing half of the podcast because I just couldn't hear it. And I think that there's a lot of people like me that are really struggling to hear podcasts they want to listen to, um, maybe because the quality is not quite that great. But it really does matter when you don't have that kind of um, maximized volume level. When it's not normalized and when it's not compressed um, like everything else, then people are just either going to get frustrated and go somewhere else or they're going to miss a lot of stuff, a lot of valuable information you guys have had from the very
0: beginning. You you led us right into the next thing we want to talk about, which is we want you all to tell us about the process of starting a new show. How you got going? Uh, Jason's done a great job telling us about some of the audio stuff that he's concerned with and some of the things that that you guys need to think about when recording. Um, so let's get into the website. I mean, this is something that we're all developers here. How did you guys develop the website? Well, it's still in
2: development. Still
0: in development. <laughs> are, how, yeah. how are you developing the website? Well, They're
1: we're gonna build it in WordPress as soon as I get the credentials over today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it will happen after this
1: podcast episode air, or well, after this episode is done recording.
2: Aww. If
3: favors to remind me. Okay. Anyway, I started developing locally just because I wanted to, kind of you know see things laid out a little bit and create some pages just to um so i could transfer it quickly once i've got those up and running and the reason why wordpress was um an easy choice was we're also going to be using the blue blueberry plugin which i think is what is what uh, you guys are using to uh load the podcast in easily into the page so people will be able to play it right in the browser
2: i think you actually pronounce it blueberry blue-
3: blueberry blueberry, there's some, there's some blueberry.
2: blueberry. blueberry. <laughs> So,
0: <laughs> you talked about the, the panel discussion as possibly your first episode. What are some of
3: the ideas that you guys have for episodes? We have been talking about a couple of things. Uh, Aaron, did you um, want to chime in here um what um, my list
2: Yeah sure I just I tend to, to do a lot of the talking so I wanted to give somebody else a chance first. But yeah, I think we we, we kind of started stemming from um, just different topics that came up during that panel discussion um, and, and just a little bit of background real quick. Um, Dave hosted a meetup for uh, his free code camp meetup group a couple Saturdays ago, and he invited Beej, myself, and one of our friends from NSS, Mike, to be on this junior developer panel um, to kind of talk about what our experience has been like as a junior developer. Um, and so... We, we, we started off, Dave was the moderator, and so he kind of asked us some questions to spur conversation uh, amongst the three of us. And then um, toward the end, we kind of opened it up to audience questions just to kind of see what what, what do they spe- want to know specifically, either from all of the panelists or based on something that one of us said at some point during the discussion. Um, and so I think it spurred a lot of uh, great Great questions, great conversation, um, and I think we'll get a lot of really good, uh, at least starting topics out of it to really help who this podcast is is focused for, which is you know emerging um, junior developers.
3: Yeah, we got a lot of interest and a lot of good questions out of that that I'm trying to um, um, kind of use for inspiration toward other ideas that may be things that we might want to talk about. A lot of interest in the interview process, a lot of inter- interest in the job search uh, so one idea was to uh, invite a couple of recruiters uh, tech recruiters onto the show to talk about what things look like from their end because a lot, I think a lot of developers have a love-hate relationship with recruiters and we you know, might be interesting to hear their side of the story uh, around certain issues that developers typically hit up against.
2: And I think that's an important conversation to be had too, because I know I know personally through my own experience, and with things I I, I see posted through LinkedIn or just hear from fellow uh, developers in 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 the um, in the industry of just 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 these different interactions that they have with recruiters, and and then I see recruiters talking about other recruiters and their firms, and and there's just it, it's a whole. It, it's very difficult to navigate, not only for the candidates, but for recruiters as well, for, for a variety of reasons. And so I think having an episode where we kind of devote to to, to kind of straightening, well, not straightening both sides of the story, but, but hearing both sides and, and, and having starting that conversation so that both sides can work together versus just griping about one another. Yeah,
4: I mean, definitely. And you know what? It helps to be a little humble about... Um, the fact that we're all human beings with different um, sets of, of knowledge and different wheelhouses, um, you know, you can't expect a, a recruiter to know what you know about tech industry. In fact, I'm sure that most of them would appreciate it if if they could give you a call and maybe get some information from you about, like, okay, what what is this, um, what is this particular tech, what does this mean? Um, if you can develop a rapport with with a, a recruiter so that they're comfortable with you and you're comfortable with them and that, you know, they can call you and you can call them um, out of the blue and, and, and kind of cross-pollinate some, some knowledge because they have knowledge you don't um, in in things that you wouldn't even think of. And uh, they're not stupid people. And I think um, a lot of developers suffer from a little bit of arrogance on, on you know, on the part of treating... Uh, and I, I'm guilty of this too, you know, on the part of salespeople or recruiters and whatnot, you know, what do they know? Look, look at what I can do, you know, all the complicated things I can do with this system when really, you know, you, you know what you know, they know what they know, and, and you can't know everything and neither can they.
2: Right. I do think yeah. it's, it's a give and take relationship, though. Like, right well I, I just think like like there's certain things that can be done on on both sides on both the candidate side and the recruiter side because like I know for me personally I've had more than one of almost the exact same cookie cutter interaction from different recruiters from from different or the <laughs> same uh, recruiting firms that it's it, you know I mean one of the main complaints is like like they'll be reaching out to me about a senior developer yeah, position and they- then Yep. It's it's it, you know I, I'm sure you guys have had the same experience many of my you know my friends and people I know are, are, are you know in the same hear the same kind of spiel and it's like did you even read my resume like if you did you would see that I have less, you know, about about a year of experience, and am nowhere near the level of senior developer. Even though I would love to get paid what they get paid, I'm just not there yet. It's not you know, and yeah. it, it's like you just typed typed in a keyword search, my resume popped up, and you called me because you had to get X amount of, of contacts in for that day. And so I think it kind of goes back to like like part of the system, and it, like Will likes to say the interview process is broken. The, the you know parts of the recruiting system are broken, and but but these conversations need to. Be had in in a diplomatic way isn't the right term but it, you know in a, in such a way that both sides don't need to get heated but so that that actual like change can come out of these conversations well i think
4: aaron i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they see thousands of resumes every day and their memory is just not big enough in order to remember all of it and maybe it's a, a, a an orga- like they're not organized maybe they're just brand new and i think that's a lot of it it's just um Right. It's a lot yeah. It's a lot to deal with. They've got a lot of people they're dealing with they can't possibly remember everyone. and if you're not well organized and you don't make notes about everyone you talk to, which I think the, the good ones keep a running you know list of notes and they make notes under a- each person's name. at least that's what I would do. If I was a recruiter, I would make sure that I noted what I talked to each person about what, what we talked about, what jobs we talked about, yada, yada, yada so that I have that record in some kind of you know wall decks or whatever.
2: Right, and, and and that's kind of, I guess, a point of separation between the the, the good recruiters and maybe the not so good recruiters is, is how invested in personal and like professional relationships are they, or are they just in it for for the short run to make a buck and, and you know don't care about sustaining those relationships for the yeah long you can long say long.
4: the same thing about a lot of junior developers as well yes
2: all right yes yeah, so that that's, that, that that's really specific. gets into
0: yeah yeah <laughs> i say that. that 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 really kind of gives us a great idea of what we have to look forward to with your show because it it sounds to me like this is going to be a really interesting kind of discussion based show where where you guys are going to take a topic and have some very differing opinions and go back and forth in a friendly, polite manner because I just just heard two of you disagreeing on something, but doing it in such a way that I'm like, uh, okay, I would actually sit there and watch them have this conversation. It was like a a friendly debate.
4: I wouldn't call it 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 a a disagreement. I would call it it, an... I interjected. And um, what you said was true and what I said was true. Um, It just depends on the situation, right? So... Right, yeah. But you
2: and me or, you know, and Dave, we're not going to end up yelling yeah, at each other no. and, and, and like, no, your opinion is discounted. That That's t- totally wrong. But we, <laughs> we can have a civilized debate and not have it turn into a heated argument based on it. Yeah, case.
4: well, I mean, you know, what Aaron yeah. was saying is, is very true. I, I took the opposite view just to, you know, kind of play devil. Yeah, game. exactly.
3: That's that's what makes this uh, interesting and why people people will hopefully want to listen to our show is that we have some interesting chemistry, some differing backgrounds and experiences, but I think we respect each other enough to kind of hear the other out, consider different options and talk about what, you know, the real deal that's affecting junior developers in the real world. Mm-hmm. Hopefully people, that's, will, uh, I'm hoping people will uh, respond to that.
1: That's, that's really good. Now, um, so, uh, what do you guys expect out of your editorial process? Like, what's that going to be like with three of you?
4: Well, um, I'm not real sure on the whole editorial thing. I'm going to uh, defer <laughs> to Aaron and Dave on that. Jason, oh, we were counting on you because you're <laughs> an audio guru. You're gonna. I figured you'd be doing <laughs> uh, well, the mixing if that's and that's what you mean, no? the audio, like all that. Um, yeah, I mean, I can make it. I can make it make sense. That's what you're asking. Definitely, it's, okay. it's just a matter of cutting it all up and, and putting it in, in a timeline in, in the right order just like beige does um
2: uh, yeah I, I think Dave does a really good job or has done a really good job so far of kind of reining the conversation in. Cause I think, I think all of us are guilty of, of going off on tangents or like, you know, just having a lot to say that we want to get into one segment um, that, you know, will lead off into, into tangents of its own. Um, but you know, if we really need to like stay on track with things, I think Dave is pretty good about that.
3: Thank you. Well, I, I think it's an interesting challenge because we do get into some interesting conversations and, just talking with you guys, we've we've really delved into some good content but I am kind of thinking about, okay, are we going to keep this within a certain time frame and how do we make that, how do we allow ourselves to dive into the good stuff, and still you know keep it at a manageable length for our listeners. I don't want to have our you know length be all over the place, and have that. I want it to be more consistent, but that's going to be a, a fun challenge to try to wrangle. I guess. Yeah, so.
2: I agree with that because with, with podcasts I listen to, I, I can't go any longer than an hour, and and most of the time, it, like I want to try and listen to a whole episode of something within one sitting, and that's usually no more than thirty minutes, and it just usually kind of depends on what. I'm doing but yeah I mean I do I do agree with and I gotta say that Erin is limit. really
3: good
4: at um, kind of reining us both in you know keeping uh, tabs on all of us and making sure we're you know on point with, with things when we're not we're, when we're not actively doing anything she's um, asking you know, you know she's making sure that we're we've got our ducks in a row so she's kind of a project manager in that sense
2: well thank you for mentioning that because that may be what I'm going <laughs> for someday <laughs>
4: You get an experience. I, so yeah, it's, it's like this. You know, so I'm yeah, like a cat. I don't know if Dave's like this, but you know, I, I can get sidetracked very easy and go up one tank. But,
3: yeah. Dave's a musician. Of course, he's like that. Well, I've never been described. As, des- I've never been described as cat-like. Uh, I'm a little too clumsy for that. But. <laughs> you know, cats.
4: That's what I meant. But, yeah.
3: Well, that's that's getting any group of developers
0: to agree on anything. Uh, so our final questions sort of around where you guys see the show going. Like, what goals do you have? What do you want to accomplish want. with the show?
4: I want uh, junior developers to be more money. confident about um, going into this industry and and also answering the question of, do they want to go into it in the first place? A lot of people it's, they think, well, this pays a lot of money. I want to go into this industry because, you know, that's, that's what I want, because I want more money. Well, if that's why you're going then you probably not even get very far. This is not something you do or just decide to do one day without any planning or forethought. You need to know what you're getting yourself into, how long it's going to actually take to get there. For instance, for me, it took me um, almost three years with a full-time job. Um, some people can do it a lot quicker. Younger people with less responsibilities can do it a lot quicker, but we need to, we need to let people know what they're, what they're going to face And those that are willing to take that challenge, we need to encourage them and let them know, you know, this is just part of the process. When they hit those hurdles, that's just part of the process. And, you know, hopefully we can help get them there. And um, that will be the reward in itself.
3: I agree with that. But I also want to say that there is a... I'm hoping to hopefully inspire some folks as well. I definitely want to paint the realistic picture that Jason is talking about, where if you are you read a uh, boot camp commercial and you're thinking you're just going to jump in and change your entire career and it'll be great, then that may not be the best reason. But if you've decided to do this, you think you have an aptitude for this, I also want to inspire people mm-hmm. that it absolutely can be done. Uh, it's hard work. It may take a lot longer than you think. And the challenges in the day-to-day of actually working in the industry may not be everything you expected, but it's, it's doable, it's rewarding, and uh, hopefully yeah. we can communicate that, too.
2: I agree with what both Jason and Dave said. Um, and then I also kind of want to provide a support system. Um, you know, I, I want people to feel like they can reach out. To, to all three of us and and both Beege and Will as well or or just anyone who ends up joining the the complete developer network um, j- because I remember I actually tried this when I was at Nashville Software School um, when we were presenting our front end capstones um, I, actually, I actually stood up and gave a speech to the incoming cohort which was cohort 13 and, and I told them I said hey you know we we were where you were three months ago we you know we were just starting some of us had, you know, some experience, some had no experience. Um, we were looking at cohort 11's projects and thinking, how are we ever going to be able to do something like that? But then by the time we got there, all of us had a working application that we were presenting to the next cohort. And and so just, you know, I said, you know, please, please come talk to us, Pl- ask us questions, like don't, you know, be afraid, you know, to talk to us because, you know, we're here to help, you know, and just kind of Build that network for people who who feel like you know like oh I can't do it or or I I have no idea what I'm doing um, but just just know that people have have gone through what you're going through now and are 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 you know they 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 got it like they uh, they have accomplished I'm trying to say like you know they they did learn things and they they are are on their way to being. successful. I, I wanted
4: to mention I think every software engineer you know from seniors to juniors has that same feeling that. They don't know what they're doing. It's, the difference is, is they're more used to that feeling, <laughs> you know. It's, it's like they, it doesn't scare yeah. them anymore, and they realize that you know, eventually they're going to figure it out. They have confidence in, in what they've already done and, and accomplished, and whether they you know know
0: exactly what's going on at the moment or not, it's just that uh, confidence factor. Um, so, guys, we want to thank you guys for coming on and talking about what you guys have coming up. It's really awesome. Junior Developer Toolbox is going to be a sibling show to Complete Developer Podcast uh, on our brand new Complete Developer Network. In a way, this episode is sort of our launch party for the new show. Y'all haven't been able to hear it, but we've been joking around and goofing off the whole time. Uh, And it's been, it has been a celebration. It really has. It's an exciting time for all of us here as Will and I get to see our friends starting their journey into the podcasting world. Either one of us may occasionally join the Junior Developer Toolbox crew for an episode. I will probably be on their first episode because I was part of that uh, panel. So be on the lookout for more exciting material from both Junior Developer Toolbox and Complete Developer Podcast. That pretty much wraps us up. Before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I want to reiterate
1: something that John Sonmez says a lot, and that is to trust the process. Um, in other words, if you do the work and you keep pushing, you eventually will get where you're going. We started this podcast two years ago, basically, and we have continued to work at it you know, for this entire time. We, you know, we've, we've continued to push and we've been disciplined and kept going. And I think that's the most important part of this whole journey, both for you guys as you're starting your new uh, venture and for all the listeners that are trying to get into software development or trying to move their career forward. It's just you continue doing the right things on a recurring basis and you just keep plowing forward and eventually you will get there that is something you need to internalize is that the process is what makes that happen, not necessarily what other people's perception of that process is. Uh, Beej and I both have dealt with individuals that thought that we were Kind of being cocky and the fact that we were running a podcast and doing all this and that we would never get anywhere with it and we pulled it off and it's because of consistent work so don't let anybody else's perception stop just keep going and that's all i've got stand by for titanfall if you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By For Titanfall" by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Look for us each week on Facebook Live before we record each episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.